Hello, and welcome to season two of our podcast, The Midnight Ramblings. I'm Jenny Silberstein, and I'm with my dear friend from Ledoux Junior High, Carrie Ofstein Rosenthal. If you are joining us for the first time and you're wondering what this is all about, Carrie and I are two menopausal friends who can no longer sleep at night. So we decided the best thing to do would be to create a podcast about what we and others think about when we can't sleep. So as we like to say, let's get ready to ramble. All right. Well, Jenny, our guest today is Bob King. Bob is an associate professor of English at Kent State University, where he's taught creative writing, literature, and composition for the past 23 years. His poetry has appeared in American Poetry Review, Narrative Magazine, Green Mountains Review, and the Cleveland Review, among other journals. Since December 30th, 2006, Bob has run almost 32,000 miles, completing 24 marathons or ultramarathons, the longest being 100.8 miles, the Burning River Endurance Run. I met Bob in graduate school, where on most evenings we could be found perusing wait for it, the local video store, and sharing our latest adventures in writing. He lives on the outskirts of Cleveland with his wife and daughters. Bob is currently editing a book-length manuscript about the story he's going to share with us today. And I feel compelled to add that there is no one I have come across who has mastered the one-word title more than our guest, Mr. Bob King. Bob, thanks for coming. Oh, thank you, Carrie, and thank you, Jenny, for, for having me. Um, I've been listening to your podcast. I love it. I'm, I'm honored to be a guest today. Thank you. Well, you're so welcome. And before we begin, I feel compelled to ask, is the name of this manuscript you're working on one word? Uh, uh, the, the first version of it was, I, um, <laughs> but the, the newer version is not. I went to three words. I'm really expanding my repertoire. Yeah. So what was the one word? I'm just curious. Sock puppets as one word. You know, creative license. Yeah, sure. Sock up. And what is the, do we, can we hear the name of the new one? The new one, which is actually, uh, the first manuscript was written as a nonfiction called Sock Puppets. And because that wasn't working, I rewrote the manuscript this spring as fiction mm-hmm. and taking a different perspective and called that Cut, Poison, Burn. I like it. But anyway. All right, well, Bob, as you know, on this podcast, we love to find out what people think about when they can't sleep. And I'm guessing that this manuscript issue is keeping you up, but what's going on when you can't sleep? Well, it's funny you should ask that. Um, I've had some difficulty sleeping through most of my life, Uh, really since middle school, when I first started battling anxiety. Uh, and through my life in those decades uh, since middle school, I've not only battled anxiety, but some panic attacks, um, including at night, like, you know, waking up, uh, shaking, sweating, heart racing um, at 2 or 3 a.m. And that's not great. That's, that's not a lot of fun. And I used to sort of white knuckle it. Uh, through those events, um, through those panic attacks. Um, And more than anything else, really, uh, the last six plus years, there's been one driving event uh, that I wrote this this manuscript about. Um, 
that still occasionally wakes me up with a panic attack. And that is Tuesday, December 15th, uh, 2015. And I would classify that day as probably one of the worst days of my life. Uh, I've never felt dumber, uh, more humiliated, uh, more embarrassed. And really, um, I've never felt like so much of, of a failure uh, to myself and to my family. Uh, so Tuesday, December 15th, 2015, I was at the Cuyahoga County Court of Common Pleas. And I was in the gallery and I was on the verge of having a panic attack. It was just after 8 a.m. Uh, my blood pressure was up, my face was beaming red. Uh, I could feel my blood pressure coursing down my forearms into my hands, I was shaking. And sitting in the gallery, I actually slipped off my shoes and placed my feet flat on the ground to try and just calm down. There were four reasons that I was on the verge of this panic attack and didn't want to be there. Uh, the first is I would have had rather been anywhere else. I'm all about public service, certainly, but I didn't want to be there because it was a beautiful, warm December morning in Cleveland. And I wanted to go run for two or three hours in the Cleveland Metro Parks. It was also uh, finals week had just wrapped up at school and I had stacks and stacks of essays to grade and I couldn't do it. I knew if I was trapped in jury duty. The third reason I didn't wanna be there, as much as my body was shaking, I had my cell phone set to vibrate in my pocket and it was going crazy. Uh, I was in the midst of losing this dear friend uh, this this friend that I'd really come to love like a sister. Uh, she had called me a, her brother from another mother and we really had a tight bond. And she was in crisis and there was nothing I could really do to help um, being where I was. This dear friend, uh, I'm gonna call her Jenny because that was her name. Uh, she, we met years ago. You see, I started running December 30th, 2006. I was overweight, had high blood pressure. My doctor said, if you wanna get off these medications, start moving your ass. So I did, I, I took that advice very literally. And that spring of 2007, I started running a lot. I ran my first 5K, my first 10K, I did well. And like a lot of beginning runners, I did too much, too fast, too soon. And I ran myself into an injury. I got a stress fracture in my tibia. So summer 2007, I took a break. Uh, I, I wasn't able to run and I decided that I wanted to train once I was healed to run a marathon, but I needed advice. I didn't know much about running. It's not as easy as letting the screen door slam and necessarily, you know, taking to the neighborhood streets. Uh, so like most of us do, uh, I went to Google and I was looking for advice on how to competently train for a marathon. One of the first hits back was uh, Runner's World Online. It's an online magazine and they used to host these chat forums. So this is 2007, fall 2007. I joined this chat forum through Runner's World Online and specifically the beginners forum. In that beginner's forum, I met dozens, hundreds of people from around the country, around the world. And 
I quickly came to see that sort of the rock star in that running forum was a veteran who hung out there to help a lot of the new runners. There were several uh, veterans who hung out, but the rock star really was this Jenny. And the reason she was so revered was because she was so kind and patient with all of our questions. Um, but she also had just beat cancer. She just beat Hodgkins. And in her local TV interview in town here in Cleveland, uh, she explained to the reporter that the two things that helped her beat cancer was her awesome oncologist, just down the road here, uh, and running. Through her eight months of chemotherapy, Jenny ran 100 miles per week. That's an insane amount of mileage for a perfectly healthy person. That's like Olympic number of miles, Olympic training number of miles. And Jenny did that through eight months of chemotherapy. She found that her body reacted well to it. Uh, she could cruise through sub nine minute miles, no problem every week. Um, so I, you know, sometimes you just click with people and I clicked with Jenny. Uh, we came to find out that um, we both studied English and philosophy and political science. We had a lot of similar interests, um, art and photography. And then I found out, we realized we lived a mile apart. We're in the same suburb of Cleveland. And she was awesome. She was a really great encourager uh, of me. Um, and for the next several years then, from 2007, say through 2015, she was one of my biggest supporters uh, of running. Um, of course, though, I was married. I was married about 12, 13 years uh, to Bridget. And, you know, if you're married, you go and ask your spouse about if you plan on meeting someone new. Um, so I went to Bridget in fall 2007 and said, look, this Jen and I click, you know, I've been hanging out in this runner's forum. Uh, would you mind if I met her? Would you, would you mind if, you know, we went running together? And Bridget was not too excited about that. Um, she was skeptical. I said, no, 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 she's nerdy and geeky and she likes birding in the Civil War and she's pretty awkward. And I think you might like her too. And Bridget wasn't excited, but she met her. You know, we, we went to ice cream here locally and Jenny met our three kids. And Jenny was a great encourager of me. In fact, in a couple short years, I was in the best shape of my life. I got off the BP medication, had a resting heart rate in the low 40s, ran three marathons in 22 days and three hours and 30 minutes or fewer, graduated ultra marathons, eventually ended up running a 100 mile race with Jenny. And Jenny was there. We ran a lot together. We ran at our local rec center on set, uh, treadmills side by side at the 12th of the mile track or through the great Cleveland Metro parks. And I was losing her that day. December 15, 2015. The fourth reason I didn't want to be in court though, uh, it was a rape case and I wanted no part of it. Um, the previous day, Monday, uh, this big juror pool was called into the judge's courtroom. And one of the first questions the judge asked us, and I didn't know if it was typical or not, but he asked it. He said, how many of you, show of hands, know someone who's been sexually assaulted before or raped? And it was is really shameful that most of us raised our hands in some way. 
um, most of us had some kind of experience with sexual assault. On Monday, they had chosen most of the jury. And through that voir dire, through that uh, interviewing of potential jurors, the prosecution, defense, and judge probed a little bit about people's experiences with sexual assault. Uh, I did not want to get in that box and talk about my experiences. I wanted no part of it because I knew three people. Um, three people popped to my mind uh, immediately. Uh, you see, back in 2001, three weeks after 9-11, my little sister called. Uh, I do have her permission to mention this. Uh, Liz was living in Chicago and she called on a Tuesday morning and by the time I got to the phone, uh, she was in full-blown tears. And she said, uh, Bob, help. Uh, I've been raped. Help. So within a couple hours, uh, I was on an airplane to Chicago. And it wasn't until I saw the Sears Tower where I thought, shit, should I even be flying? But I, I set that out of my mind then. No, she called for help. This is what you do with someone you love. You go and help them. And Liz and I ended up coming back to Cleveland and... She's great now. The other person uh, that came to mind when I was thinking about sexual assaults was Gary. Well, Gary and Doc. Gary and Doc were people that I met through Jenny in December 2012. Uh, Gary was uh, Jenny's boyfriend, then fiance, and then husband. Uh, and Doc was Jenny's oncologist. They both, through my friendships with them, I had a three-year friendship with both of them, um, at different points, they both shared their experiences of sexual assault. Uh, Gary and I got to know each other well because Jenny was often sick and he was giving me updates of my friend and I would pass that on to the running community. Um, but Gary was this hotshot young attorney in his mid-30s at a Philadelphia law firm um, and he ended up confiding to me and Jenny that as a young boy, he had been sexually assaulted uh, by a doctor when he was in for an emergency appendectomy. He was sodomized. I didn't want to talk about that. And then Doc. Um, Doc was Jenny's oncologist. Doc was a marathoner too. And around 2012, uh, Doc joined Facebook. You see most of our, uh, most of our community from that running forum um, migrated to Facebook. This was really when Facebook was just taking off. And um, among the people who joined our sort of back and forth among all us runners uh, was Gary, Jenny's boyfriend, and Doc, because he was a marathoner. Uh, Doc would share stories uh, with all of us that were great and hilarious, and he saved our friend Jenny's life. So we sort of revered him. We sort of put him up on a pedestal. And after a little while, um, Doc said to Jenny, hey, I know you have this friend who teaches creative writing. Do you think he'd mind taking a look at some of my writing? And so Doc and I, through email and message, he sent me some poems, which frankly weren't very good, uh, and short stories. And he started writing a lot more at my encouragement, at Jenny's encouragement, and all these runners at their encouragement. Uh, he wrote a manuscript that I was helping him edit, um, a manuscript about growing up in Australia, how he came to be an oncologist, 
how he came to Cleveland and ended up saving Jenny's life. Um, that book also chronicled his father's suicide uh, that stuck with him um, and a running injury he had that caused problems. And uh, what was left out from that manuscript was in 2014, the doctor was brutally assaulted at his hospital when he went in for an emergency colonoscopy. A nemesis of his at the hospital took advantage of Doc and raped him with a colonoscopy scope. Oh my God. Just awful. So I, I was on verge of panic attack having to potentially address any of this and knowing that the whole time sitting there my phone is just buzzing in my pocket and I couldn't open it. I couldn't do anything. Um, it wasn't great. But then um, they picked the last couple jurors and an alternate and I escaped any interrogation. And the judge said, the rest of you go back to the main juror room downstairs. You got to stick around for a couple hours, but if things go well, you'll be sprung for the entire week. And I thought, oh, thank God. It's about time. I could not get out of that courtroom fast enough. I had my school bag with my computer and my phone in my pocket. And I actually had a copy, one of the final um, renditions of Doc's manuscript in my bag. So I scoot down to the huge juror room, go back to this far corner that's isolated, slip off my shoes, open up my laptop and open up my cell phone and see these dozens and dozens of text messages from Doc from Gary, from Runners, from Bridget. And the first text I responded to was to Jenny. I sent her a picture that I had received the day before. It was actually Jenny's wedding picture. Uh, it was a picture of her and Gary, they had a small ceremony. And I sent her that picture and I sent her a copy of that picture, only it wasn't Jenny and Gary. It was Gary and some other chick. You see, I, I knew what Photoshop was, uh, but I didn't know what Google image reverse search was. I didn't know at the time you could search any photo and find out if it, if it had an original or an antecedent. Uh, it turns out this did. Jenny's original wedding photo in this other photo with this other chick's face. And I didn't understand. About six weeks earlier, the start of November, this runner, I'm going to call her Anna, uh, from Canada, was from that old running chat group. And she had messaged me very friendly and said, Bob, I have a couple of serious questions for you. And after going back and forth, she arrived at her serious questions, which were basically is Jenny real? Is, is Gary real? And I was like, what the fuck? What, what are you talking about? Of course Jenny's real. You know, dozens of runners would come to Cleveland to run Burning River or North Coast or Towpath or the Cleveland Marathon. And Jenny and I, because I worked up to running high mileage like her, uh, Jenny and I would host these out-of-town runners. So there are pictures of all of us runners together on my back patio or in the Cleveland Metro parks at a post-marathon party, something like that. And I thought, who the hell is this Anna 
Of course Jenny's real. She knows me. She knows my kids. I, I didn't understand. But Anna persisted over those six weeks, and she figured I would need some evidence. And I'm so thankful to her, and I'm so thankful that she persisted. Because once I was in that cubicle texting Jenny back and forth, um, at first, she was trying to deny that anything was wrong, hinky, or strange. And then slowly she started making admissions. She made an admission that, you know, Gary had been going through multiple sicknesses himself from 2012 to 2015. And he had started impersonating people online. I thought, well, that's not true. But maybe for one of the few times in our friendship, Jenny and I started racing. For the next several hours, I was racing to screenshot everything I could. And I had family members and other runners screenshotting things uh, in private messages, in texts, and on Facebook. And Jenny was racing to explain these strange things, these red flags that Anna had pointed out to me. You see, Anna um, had been the, the victim of online stalking before. And she thought that some things with my social media and Jenny's and Gary's looked really strange. I didn't believe her at first because I knew Jenny uh, so, so well. But over those next several hours, um, Jenny and I were texting back and forth furiously. And she ended up ad admitting to everything that I was seeking admission uh, for. Uh, I wasn't too sure if Gary was real. Uh, I wasn't too sure what was going on with the oncologist. Things seem strange. I just have to interrupt. So wait, I thought you'd met Gary. Have you actually in person met him? So most of these runners that had come to town had all assumed I had met Gary and Doc, the oncologist. I hadn't. I hadn't ever met them. Um, but you could see Gary on his law firm's website. You could see photos of Jenny and Gary at Gettysburg. Uh, you could see photos of the doctor. And look, I had a full teaching load. I ran a lot. I coached soccer. I took care of my kids. I had plans to meet Gary at several moments or the doctor. And they, something came up with one of them, something came up with me. I didn't think it was that weird until this day, until December 15th. Jenny was reticent about um, admitting to anything about the doctor. And finally, I said to her before I was dismissed from court, I have the doctor's manuscript in my bag. I'm going to stop by the hospital, the hospital that's three miles down the road from where I live. I'm going to stop by and ask this world-class oncologist what he knows about the manuscript. And she said, please don't. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to lose my oncologist. What if I relapse? I was sprung from jury duty uh, for the rest of the week, thank God. And I raced home. 
um, Bridget, who I had been in contact through this text messaging with Jenny, um, she left work early. She said she had an emergency. She went to our girls' schools uh, and scooped them up and brought them home. And by the time I got home, Bridget had planted the, the girls in the basement uh, with their juice boxes and snacks. And I walked in the kitchen and Bridget was standing there leaning against the stove. She still had her Navy scrubs on. She still had her red barn coat on and she had her arms folded across her chest. And she looked at me and she said, Bob, what the fuck is going on? And I said, I don't know. And I started crying. I said, I am so sorry. I'm, you know, we talked about a few things, but I, Bridget, I don't know. And all I wanted to do in that moment was hug her. So I went to cross the couple feet of linoleum between us and I put out my arms for a hug and she tightened her arms around herself. And that, that hurt, I, I understood, but that hurt. And I said, Bridget, I think she made up rapes. And she said, what? I said, well, I'm, I'm pretty convinced at this point that Gary's not real, that she made him up, that she impersonated a Gary and made a Facebook for him, but not just a Facebook, made up an email and a phone number. I, I, Carrie and Jenny, I still have Gary's phone number set in Ocean City, New Jersey, in my phone. I still have it. Wow. And did you use it ever or just you had it? No, I still have it, sort of um, keeping it just in case, I suppose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just feel like it's the perfect time to mention that the Midnight Ramblings has its first sponsor. I know. I am so grateful and excited. Me too, because as many of us are coming back to the real world after our lovely summers, it seems like an opportune time to kind of check in on our mental health. A hundred percent. And actually, mental health is always something you want to stay on top of. Well... As I've mentioned many times, I have had some wonderful therapists. One of the places I have sought help is the Counseling Center of Grays Lake in Illinois. All of their counselors have advanced certification in the REBT model through the Albert Ellis Institute of New York. Of course, everyone has to find what works for them, but I will say that the REBT model has been one that I find extremely effective. So the original idea behind Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, or REBT, is that the primary aim is to not simply make someone feel better while they're in the office or even shortly after the visit which is incredibly important, but to also give a person the tools they need to get better. The Counseling Center of Grace Lake is doing something really wonderful for us and our listeners. For anyone who calls or goes online and uses the code RAMBLINGS, they will make a donation to Canines for Comfort, which is a 501c3 providing hope and comfort to veterans, children, and the community through companionship with psychiatric service dogs and emotional support animals. So essentially, you can help others while you help yourself. I love that. If you live in Illinois, why go the national telehealth route? When instead, you can work with local, personalized, and highly trained licensed mental health therapists at Counseling Center of Grays Lake. For more information about Counseling Center of Grays Lake, visit www.themidnightramblings.com forward slash CCG or call 847-549-2235. Use the code RAMBLINGS and a donation will be made to Canines for Comfort. 
And now back to the podcast. Okay, so where were we? Um, when I said to Bridget, I think she made a break. She said, what, what in the hell are you talking about? I said, well, you know, what, when you train with someone, you get to know them and you share stories with them. And I had told Jenny about me helping my sister. I had told her that story in a lot of detail. And I said, I don't think Gary's real, but he confessed his sexual abuse to me. I think that was Jenny. And I think she worked in some details of my sister's assault into Gary's story and then into the doctor's story. I said, the doctor's real though, right? I mean, we have nurse friends who work at the hospital three miles down the road. We know this guy to be real. His photo, this doctor, this poor doctor, his photo is still on the hospital website. You can see it. And I, th I said, I don't, did she really impersonate her oncologist? I didn't know. And Bridget said, I'm going to take the girls to my mom's, figure this shit out. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> so she left and I did with the help of some dear, dear friends from that forum that I'm still friends with today. They were kind of my parachute that day. They, they really helped me that day. And Bridget and I swung from completely oblivious to anything to paranoid um, because uh, Jenny had talked about um, going shooting, uh, target practice at, at gun ranges. Uh, Gary, in the three years that I knew him, uh, had a strange and odd fascination with the Second Amendment and no one was gonna take his guns. And <laughs> Bridget said, I want a gun, go get a gun. Oh my God. We don't know what she's capable of. It wasn't just that though, it was through the years I knew Jenny and her say complications with her cancer, uh, through her relapse that started in 2012, potential relapse, um, she had broadcast ideations of suicide. She talked about jumping off bridges around here. Uh, Gary um, had confided to me he thought of suicide frequently, the doctor even at one point. This sort of cloud of death hung around Jenny uh, and these people. And I thought, well, God, I, I don't want to jumping off a bridge either. Uh, that would be terrible. Um, we also worried because this doctor who it seems like maybe Jenny impersonated, uh, he worked for the same hospital system my wife works for. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I helped this doctor edit his book and I have all the files and everything of my edits, but this hospital system is not gonna like that one of their all-star doctors was impersonated and someone wrote a book posed as him and maybe whoever assisted her could get in trouble too. We had also, in 2012, Jenny feared a relapse, an orbital tumor. Uh, we runners from that old running form got together and decided to fundraise for her, for her mounting medical bills. So December 2012 to March 2013, we started. A, I started a Facebook group. Uh, at its peak, it had over 700 people in it. Um, and when people would donate, this, this private Facebook group was going to be a surprise to Jenny. When people would donate to her medical bills, I would send them an orange bumper sticker with Jenny's name on it. Um, or another runner had orange bracelets made up like Lance Armstrong's Livestrong bracelets. She would send those out and 
this page was filled with photographs and donations and all this good. We run, we're, you know, the cool thing about the running community, we, we root for the last person to the finish line. Mm -hmm. um, we're supporters of everybody. And from the start, from almost December, 2012, through when we revealed this private page to Jenny in March, 2013, turns out Gary had been a part of it. Gary, that was actually Jenny. So what we thought was a private secret fundraiser for Jenny that she didn't know anything about, she actually knew about the whole time. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, hold on, isn't that legally like fraud? Well, it gets better. Oh God, okay. So wait, did you ever meet Gary or you were just communicating? Just like, communicating. Through email, right. Okay. Text messages, public Facebook. Right. And, and yeah. private messenger on Facebook. And did Gary live in your mind? I mean, in the story, did Gary live in town or you said New Jersey, correct? He had a condo in New Jersey on the Jersey Shore that Jenny liked to run at <laughs> and she would post pictures from the Jersey Shore. Uh, but he lived in Philadelphia. His name, his full name, which I won't say, uh, Gary B, uh, is on this law firm's website, even today. Okay, I knew, one, go one ahead. Um, so, and if she, was she still married to Gary in the story or not? Yes. So and why they, was she in Cleveland? She was in Cleveland because she didn't want to leave her oncologist just yet. She had oh, been having setbacks. And he had moved in the story? And Gary basically commuted from his apartment in Philadelphia to Cleveland uh, oh, back and forth. So he wasn't in town a lot. It wasn't odd that I wouldn't see him. I was so busy anyway. And we had actually made plans to meet a couple times, but okay. something came up. Okay. But anyway, we did this fundraiser, right? We raised over 10 grand for her. And on her birthday that March, um, I and another runner met her at a local Panera. We turned over the 10 grand. Um, part of my fear in the aftermath, that 10 grand plus filtered through my PayPal account. Oh no. Oh my God. Right. So we had a lot of concerns and we ended up turning to this fantastic lawyer who said, you are right to have a lot of concerns. There's a lot going on here. This, um, in the near aftermath, once all this unfolded on December 15th, 2015, uh, for about a month after we had to deal with um, some legal issues. Uh, this whole thing, um, Bridget had wanted a gun, I wanted security, we needed a lawyer. In total, this thing probably cost us a few grand. Um, I, I really didn't care about the money. But at that point, um, after the month of dealing with issues related to it, um, Bridget slept as close to her side of our king mattress as she could for about six months. And like the good Irish Catholics we were raised to be, we decided sort of silently, we weren't going to talk about this. Don't talk about it and it goes away, right? Really healthy, healthy <laughs> coping mechanisms. Um, but I started regaining weight. 
I started having more panic attacks, waking up in the middle of the night. My blood pressure went sky high again. And by January 2018, so it was about two years of not dealing with things, um, I was in terrible shape, physically, emotionally, mentally. I was in awful shape. And I listened to a bunch of podcasts uh, that winter, and I thought, I, I need to tell my story. Maybe if I get it out, when I wake up at 2 or 3 a.m., I'll write it out. I, writing will help. Writing has always helped me. Uh, so I started uh, writing at 3 a.m., and I would write from 3 to 7 a.m., and then I would go to school or take care of the kids or whatever. And I just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, that's when I decided to go to therapy. Uh, I contacted a therapist and it's, I don't think it's much of a stretch to say that my therapist, Patty, uh, in part saved me. And really kind of saved my marriage. Um, in, in total, I, for our lawyer, I, I drew a tree. I'm a, I'm a terrible artist, but I drew a tree and at the base of the tree, I put Jenny's name. And in the left-hand side of the tree, I put Gary and a branch off his name for his friends and family members. And then the right side of the tree, Doc and his menagerie and his friends and family members. And in total, I had counted at least 22 people that Jenny had made up or impersonated for three years from her possible relapse in 2012 through December 15, 2015. She had made up 22 people and made Facebook accounts for them, fake phone numbers, fake email addresses. I mean, like the doctor. I knew the doctor was real, right? He's an oncologist, same system as my wife works in. We knew nurses there. Yeah, the doctor. On Facebook publicly, the doctor would say, go in and post on my wall Hey, I saw you running today. Did you hear me beep from my silver Audi? And it wasn't the doctor. That was Jenny. And she would put all of us in, say, these threads, or even sometimes they, sometimes they were public, sometimes they were private, um, but real runners and Gary and Doc, and we would have an ongoing thread conversation, and Gary and Doc and Jenny would almost be commenting simultaneously but they were all the same person. Hmm. So, um, like I said, everyone else had thought I'd met Gary and Doc. I hadn't, I, I couldn't have. They weren't really part of our, of our group. Um, and who sort of thinks to check on their dear friends uh, like that? Um, and it became clear in trying to assemble things that with me or other people, uh, Jenny not only would pick a piece out of a story I told her about, say, my sister being raped, but would pick out pieces of um, both Bridget and I have lost family members to cancer. She would use things like that and draw from these different personalities uh, and, and post about it uh, very publicly. Um, she would take, like, for instance, this doctor, her oncologist who she impersonated, uh, she impersonated his wife and his kids and uh, his family back in Australia. Uh, she would go to a local newspaper, like the Westlife here on Cleveland's West Side, and take a 
picture from their digital site of the real doctor and the real wife at a fundraiser, like at the Cleveland Yacht Club and post it for all us runners to see and say, hey, look, you know, fellow runners, look what great people we are. We're these great uh, philanthropists. And we'd all comment on it, including Jenny, as if it was the real doctor and the real wife, but it was all Jenny. For three years, she ran this scheme, impersonating at least 22 people. One more thing and how it gets better. Of the 22 people she made up or impersonated, five of them were medical professionals, the doctor, the oncologist, uh, and the doctor's wife was a nurse practitioner. In spring 2014, this is about midway through her scam that I had no idea about. Uh, Bridget fell. She was changing a light bulb in our utility room in the basement and she fell and fell right on her tailbone and her tailbone rattled up her spine and she sustained a bad concussion. Uh, we went to the local hospital. They weren't much of a help. So we ended up downtown uh, at the main branch of the hospital where Bridget spent two, three nights. And the doctors there thought something else might be wrong beyond this horrible concussion, blinding headaches, uh, sensitivity to light, the whole bit. And I, I hate hospitals and I was desperate to get some help for Bridget. So I messaged the oncologist. I mean, we had exchanged work. Uh, I messaged Gary's father who had a presence in all this. Uh, he was a retired surgeon. Um, and both Gary's father and doc suggested to me, hey, maybe something else is wrong with Bridget. Maybe she has meningitis. Bridget had a spinal tap that she didn't need oh my God. based on the medical advice dispensed by Doc and Gary's father. Oh my God. And it was Jenny. It was Jenny. Oh my God. Not only that, but another runner from that old forum during Jenny's scam, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she was anxious and would wake up panicky at night. And one of the people she would stay up late messaging with to talk about her treatment plan, her chemotherapy regimen, was Doc. She would private message with Doc. Oh my God. And the night of December 15, 2015, I called a couple dozen runners who I had met and was close with and said, here's what I know. Don't trust me, look into it yourself. But one of the people I spoke to that night was this Doc Susan who was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she told me that Doc had given her advice which she had actually incorporated into her chemo plan. And that was Jenny, that was all Jenny. Um, in the aftermath, uh, immediately I caught off contact with Jenny. Uh, and I slowly cut off contact with runners that I had met and knew who were still connected to Jenny. Some runners metaphorically ran toward Jenny to make sure she didn't hurt herself, to make sure she got treatment and I give them credit, but eventually I cut them off. I didn't want them to pass on any bits of my life um, intentionally or unintentionally uh, to Jenny. Um, the real doctor did end up getting a copy of the manuscript that she wrote. Imagine that, you, you cure this young woman 
Jenny was just a few years younger than me. You cure this young woman when her life is a coin flip. You cure her of Hodgkin's. And she writes a book as if she is you and, and tries to pass it off as if she is you. Imagine getting that book, that manuscript. Okay, so I just assumed that the cancer was also a lie. So she had cancer and she used the real doctor or the real doctor was her real oncologist. That's all true. So the oncologist is very real and he did, yes, he did in reality cure Jenny of cancer. Um, Jenny sent me a, a screenshot of her medical record. I didn't trust that. Um, but through another source, we did find out, yes, that the cancer was actually real. And what was the book about? So the book was all about uh, the doctor's coming of age in Australia, about um, growing up in Perth, you know, at this heaven's hem on the Indian Ocean, this idyllic place. And um, the, the writing was really good um, and, and full of all kinds of Australian aphorisms. And um, it was about the doc deciding to become an oncologist and eventually moving to Cleveland. Um, but it also chronicled his running history as well. And his running history is what connected him um, to us. In fact, Jenny went and found old photos of this doctor. He had run the Philadelphia Marathon, for instance. And she posted him those photos on his fake, on his fake Facebook as if it was really him. And it and wasn't. He had no this, idea. Like, he had like after the fact. No idea. So what was his reaction then, like, when he got this book? So I had one telephone conversation with this doctor um, the day, December 16th, before my lawyer said, don't, let me handle everything. Uh, but I, the doctor was concerned for his safety. How, how worried do I need to be, Bob? And I said, well, doc, um, I did go to our local police station and made a report of this and the cops thought I was flipping crazy. Um, but um, here's what I know. And then I, I said, maybe someday we'll have a pint and, and, and talk about this. And you have to remember for three years, I thought I was actually friends with this oncologist. I, I, oh my God. I, I wasn't, I, wa I had given him like 30 single space pages of feedback on his manuscript. <laughs> it, it wasn't. Oh it, you know, it wasn't him. I was just an idiot. I didn't see the red flags until- I have to stop you. I have to stop you. You weren't an idiot. I'm sure your therapist told you that. You actually weren't, and you are not. This right. woman was a very, very bad, sick woman. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Thank you. And, and I know that, but you know, in this process of forgiveness and healing, like the last person I'm going to forgive in all this is probably myself. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, though. I'm working on it. Um, but that book, um, Jenny ended up self-publishing it on Amazon. <laughs> she, she turned it from fake fiction, or I guess fake nonfiction, to actual fiction, changing the names. You can go on Amazon now. I'm not telling you the title. She doesn't get that. But you can go on Amazon and order a copy of it, and it has like a dozen reviews that I assume is just different online puppets that she's made up to say good things. Because in the end, these 22 people she made up, they were all sort of, at least in my mind, in service of 
propping up this rock star runner, cancer beating hero, uh, that was Jenny. I also found out though, uh, in the aftermath, um, I said we had nurse friends who worked at the hospital. Uh, I also found out that uh, during that fundraiser, I dropped off a stack of orange stickers at the oncologist's office because he was part of the group. Oh my God. He wasn't only it was Jenny, but real nurses there asked, hey, who is that guy? You know, who's that 5'11 runner guy who we see him running all the time. Who was that guy who dropped off the orange stickers? And she told the hospital staff that I was Gary. <gasps> she said, that's Gary. That's uh -huh. my boyfriend, fiance, husband, whatever. She told people I was Gary. There are dozens, hundreds of photos of Jenny and I at, a, at races uh, together. And I still worry today, you know, is she using me in any platform, photos of me or other people? Because I heard through the grapevine, uh, she rejoined Facebook after deleting everything in spring 2017. She's back on Facebook. Um, she has an active Instagram account with over 3,000 followers. She has her website where she hosts her landscape and birding and Civil War photos. Um, and she told people that I was her. She was also members of uh, a member of uh, Civil War groups and birding groups and photography groups. And I, I worry, like, were we the first scam? Were we the second? Does she have one going on now, even? Did anything happen to her legally or like, or no? So when this all happens, um, and a, my understanding of the ethics of being an attorney is if an attorney hears of gross wrongdoing, they have to report it to the state bar. Uh, Jenny was reported to the state bar. Uh, I heard she did 30 days of inpatient somewhere diagnosed with an alphabet of mental illness. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but I last I heard through the grapevine was she still has her law license. I don't know how that's possible, but I sort of default to, well, if the state bar is like a lot of organizations, they don't handle mental illness well. They don't have a, a firm grasp on, on truly helping people. Um, it, it's been a little while. Actually, I had a panic attack this week uh, in the middle of the night, knowing that this was coming up, knowing that we were going to talk about this. Um, it's It's been a while, though, since it's one of these nightmares has been specific. But I got I did get a number of um, these terrible dreams uh, where I was being assaulted uh, in the graphic detail that she described Gary's fake sexual assault and Doc's fake sexual assault. I would wake up thinking, oh no, you know, this this really happened. And of course, it didn't. None of it happened. And I still run. I'm older, heavier, slower. Um, and so is she. We still see her running in our community. You know, our community is only about four miles square. Uh, I still see her from time to time. She used to when she'd see me in the distance, she would duck down a side street if she knew one was near. Um, it was obvious that she didn't want to see me. Uh, and I used to, this rage used to well up inside me. I wanted to track her down and, and 
cause her physical harm or scream at her. And now I see her in the distance and I just sort of shake my head and put my head down and keep going. Um, but Thursday morning, this past Thursday, I was out for a walk, uh, just a four mile walk and my buddy Steve called because he's been helpful. So many real authentic friends, just being the real authentic selves and even making jokes at my expense has been really helpful. Um, but Steve called uh, and said, hey, heads up, I see you on Lorraine, I just passed you. You should know that 500 feet ahead of you um, is Jenny. She's ahead of you. I said, oh, shit. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, do you want me to do anything? I said, no. Is she moving in the same direction? Yes, she is. And I said, okay, then, you know, it won't be a problem. Um, people like Steve have helped. The, the therapy was enormously helpful. Uh, and truly, this past spring, uh, rewriting that original nonfiction manuscript, turning it into fiction, uh, it's finally helped. I feel like the writing is better. I'm onto something. And, and maybe it'll provide some kind of catharsis. Um, I'm still working on, you know, that path toward forgiveness of myself, though. There is absolutely nothing more important than that. I can't think of a better place to leave this for now. But of course, we are not finished. We are starting season two off with a bang. Thank you so much, Bob. We'll be back again next week with part two of your story, which we are calling The Real Her. To our listeners, thank you as well for joining us today. If you would like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. To learn what we're all about, visit us at themidnightramblings.com, where you too can become a fansomniac. And of course, be sure to tell your friends because your support is necessary to make this thing take off. So for The Midnight Ramblings, this is Carrie Ofstein Rosenthal and Jenny Silverstein. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next week. Be sure to join us for part two and the conclusion of Bob's story, The Real Her. Mm -hmm.